Welcome back to another edition of the GP Fans Stuart Broom podcast where we've pulled together two of the three members of the GP Fans Brain Trust, if you will, to break down all of the, I guess, action from the Styrian Grand Prix this weekend. No Ian Parks, so while the GP Fans Global Editor is away, the rest of us can, I don't know, play? There wasn't much playtime on Sunday, there wasn't much playtime this weekend, but we can certainly dive into it all with Sam Hall, Deputy Editor, as always, joining us. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm good, mate. You're the only person now with a perfect record of turning up to the podcast, which is interesting. So dedication is being shown there. I'm like Lando Norris, just scoring points every weekend at the moment. Always getting himself in the points. You and Gail, F1 correspondent for GP fans, also joining us. And after his uh, little bit of rest a couple of weeks ago, Ewan is back with a bang once more and keen to make an impact, perhaps, with the uh, Ian Parks absent today. Yeah, someone's got to step up, haven't they? And it's probably not going to be Sam. So, <laughs> Do you feel like George Russell stepping into that Mercedes at the back end of last season? It is a little bit secure Grand Prix-ish, isn't it? <laughs> He's dressed in the attire on the uh, on the webcam as well. He's decked out in all Mercedes colours, although I will say there is no bias. It's all Osprey's gear, so don't worry about that. Look, let's get into the action from this weekend, or what little action there was. And we've got to say, I guess to start things off, Max Verstappen with pretty much you and the perfect race weekend the perfect race on sunday starts on pole never really challenged throughout the 71 laps of the Styrian grand prix and finishes on top of the podium no to be honest the only thing he was missing was fp3 because mercedes took that but it was never really close Uh, there were voids between them uh as good as you can get, like you said, qualifying a nice big gap over two tenths to Lewis Hamilton, who bumped up to second after Bottas's penalty, um, and then in the race he just kept eking away. Nothing incredibly spectacular, but just keeps eking away, eking away. And okay, Hamilton pitted at the end for a fastest lap bonus point, so the thirty-five second gap may be a bit skewed. But before that, it was fifteen seconds anyway. Uh, Verstappen. I don't think he put a foot wrong all race. Just absolutely metronomic. It was, um, I think, well, we mentioned last week that he's starting to show that maturity that maybe he hadn't shown in the past, even with the the race wins that he'd gotten. Um, But yeah, he's really starting to put his marker down now, and I'm sure Lewis is uh, is scrambling a little bit, trying to figure out how he's going to get back ahead. Yeah, no, it was, I can't help but agree. Um, It was perfect from Max. did absolutely nothing wrong at all. Like you say, massive gap anyway. I mean, Mercedes only stopped Lewis at the end because he had a massive gap as well, back to Perez and Bottas behind. Um, So Mercedes really getting a double podium, or a double podium, I'll get those words out eventually. Um, That that was as good of a result as they could hope for. I don't think they had any answer for Max or ever looked like having an answer for Max at all. And really as well... Max having this sort of a weekend after the the string of results that Red Bull have had and the problems that Mercedes have had perhaps uh, with their tactics in races and obviously everything that happened in in Baku as well in that incredible finale. So for Red Bull to go out and for particularly detrimental to Lewis Hamilton for Max to go out and put on this sort of just a clinical performance, that's surely really worrying on a racing circuit. So much talk about street circuits and that would be where Red Bull would be more dominant than Mercedes. But getting back to these racing circuits, France and Austria or Styrian Grand Prix have shown that Red Bull can match and even go far better than what Hamilton and Mercedes were able to produce at least this weekend. 
Yeah, if we thought that it was going to be a, a Mercedes title or a Mercedes romp to the title, was I think everyone did at the end of 2020. It was sort of, oh yeah, we've got the same regulations, albeit a few changes next year. It will be Mercedes again. Red Bull will catch up at the end of the year as they've done since 2014. But that's just not the case this year. Red Bull is the team to beat and I don't think anyone can object to that at all. Um, it's not Mercedes at the top anymore. They're 40 points behind in the championship. So they're, they're almost a race weekend behind Red Bull, which no one thought they'd be saying that at this point in the season. Um, they are street track specialists, Red Bull. We've seen that. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're just... Are they, I don't think they're beatable at the moment. I really don't think Mercedes, with no upgrades, have got an answer. I mean, what do you think about it, Ewan? Uh, I think it's almost title in the bag for Red Bull. I, I honestly do. I think Ollie's absolutely right. There's four race wins in a row now. You've got Monaco, which are, you know, quick, sharp changes of direction at slow speed. Uh, you've got Baku, which is higher speed and then 90-degree corners. Paul Ricard, medium to high-speed corners with a long straight. And Austria, which is a bit of a mix of everything, long straights, three of them. You've got uh, high-speed corners, mid, uh, mid to end section. You've got the slow-speed hairpins at the start. And on all four tracks, they've been by far, they were by far the better at Monaco. Uh, Max was pretty untouchable. Uh, in France and to be honest without his mistake at turn one I think it probably would have been a similar gap to what we saw in Austria uh, Baku obviously both Red Bulls were up the top um, and, and obviously what we just saw with Max uh, over the weekend and I can't see how anyone's going to stop him this weekend at the same circuit either so uh, for example take that that's another Red Bull win and another Max Verstappen win this weekend we are into Mercedes must win territory at Silverstone to keep themselves within the championship battle. Otherwise, that that gap's going to be absolutely massive. Um, I can't see it happening. I really can't. Red Bull look as if they've absolutely got this by by almost. Well, they've got one hand on it. I would say. I mean, I'm going to clip that off for after the Styrian Grand Prix. Ewan says title over. <laughs> it's very early days. For someone who's been on the fence so often, I mean, he's, he's just off of it there, isn't he? We we should, Ian being away, is, it's awoken something in Ewan. He's making all of these dynamic, bold predictions. He's, yeah, I'm, I mean, I was going to ask you guys, does it feel like that? Because after Mercedes have come out and said, you know, Lewis said after the race that he feels there needs to be an upgrade of some sort going on to this car. Mercedes have... have reiterated the idea that they're now looking at 2022 they're not going to develop this car at all anymore if they don't develop the car they are just in a car now that is much slower than that red bull particularly with max verstappen driving in it it does seem like there's no way back sam are you going to be a voice of reason and tell us to calm down about handing a title already to the dutch driver i will say to calm down about handing the title to verstappen and red bull because Verstappen's not been in this position in Formula 1 before, so he we don't know how he's going to react when it comes to those final couple of races, when it comes to the opportunity to become the world champion. He's not been in that position. We'll see how he deals with it, because I think Ewan's right, he will be in that position. But Lewis has been there and done it so many times. He's come back from disadvantageous positions before. Um... And, it, and he's won. I mean, you look at 2008 when he was 
so he, he had to make his way back through the field and and eventually did it on the last lap. I'm not saying we're going to get something that exciting again, but it, it's some, something could happen and something will happen. Um, Toto Wolff has said that aerodynamics aren't the be-all and end-all in Formula 1. It's not the only upgrades that you can do. You can upgrade sort of your mentality and the way that you go racing, which that sounded a bit flimsy to me when he said that. It sounds a bit we're clutching at straws here because we're panicking as well without wanting to say it. Um, I'm not handing Red Bull and Verstappen the title yet. I'm not going to go as far as you and is, but I will say they've got one hand on it. But Sam, what you just said there, that you use the word panic, and I think that is exactly what's happening with Mercedes. You've got Bottas, who has no luck at all, and when he does get a bit of luck, he makes a mistake like he did on Friday with the spin in the pit lane. Uh, you've got Hamilton coming out with Red Bull bendy wings this, and Red Bull power improvement that, which are both impossible because engines are homologated, and the bendy wings, we've had the clamp down in France, so that can't sort of rear its head again. Um, so that sounds like a bit of panic to Lewis because I think he knows that they're a little bit powerless. And then you've got Toto Wolff coming out with these things. Uh, I think he he tried to sort of say, well, why would Red Bull react like this about the engines in a certain way if they weren't hiding something? Words to that effect. So a bit of panic going on in Mercedes. I think it's because they know, like we said about the circuits, four completely different type circuits. They're probably looking at the calendar, flicking through, trying to find a track where they're going to be as strong as Red Bull again, and they're starting to realise that perhaps they're not going to be. And if they have already stopped developing the car, then they won't be at all. So, And that's why I think Red Bull might already have the title in the bag a little bit. Obviously, reliability will play its course down the line, but just looking at pure pace at the moment, it looks difficult. There's another couple of things just on this, of, and you kind of hinted towards it there, Ewan, of if they have stopped developing the car... I mean, F1 communications are all about smoke and mirrors. You hear it, oh, Max Verstappen's tyres are going. Oh, is that a brand new fastest lap he puts in on the next race? I mean, it's just how it happens. Do we believe that Mercedes are not going to add anything else to this car before the season is out? Yeah, definitely. Um, Toto said it so many times. I mean, like you say, F1 is all about smoke and mirrors. But on this occasion... He's been so um, so convincing. If it is, if he isn't telling the truth and he's telling little porkies, then he's been very very convincing with it. I mean, I've just been scrolling through the quotes we've got for, we've got from the last weekend alone, and everything is we are not upgrading anymore, and almost questioning why Red Bull would be um, upgrading more with the budget cap and with the reg- regulations coming in next year. Um, I I buy it. If he if he if he's not telling the truth, he's got me hook, line, and sinker. And we've mentioned before as well the importance of switching to new regulations early on, uh, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when the new regulations came in two thousand nine. Mercedes, uh, Mercedes, McLaren, and Ferrari were in a battle for the championship in two thousand eight. Didn't develop a two thousand nine car, and all of a sudden, look, Braun GP who were Honda, of course, before and had chucked loads of money at the new car, all of a sudden won the championship with Red Bull, who also started developing early on, doing a really good job as well. The, the one thing I would say for Red Bull, you know, when Toto's saying, why would you carry on? Well, Red Bull, as they've proven over the years, are the masters of development and probably are the only team on the grid that can get away with starting slightly 
a bit further behind in terms of development because we know that by the end of the season they probably will catch up and those gains whereas we're on marginal gains now because we're at the end of the development cycle next season it's going to be a brand new development cycle starting and any improvement will be a big gain and they've been pinching top brass from Mercedes for the development of that car upcoming next year. They're, they're taking the power unit internally inside in development as well. You see that Red Bull are already making adjustments for 2022, but it does kind of make sense, I guess, to me that they would go all in on this season as well. Not only because this is the best chance right now that they have to take a world title and to finish the seven years of dominance of Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. They've got a great young driver that they definitely want to keep happy. And you know that Max is just desperate to have that driver's championship. Also, though, Formula One might not be or not, might not have been as popular as it is now in the last decade or so because of the talk about this final season with the regulation changes, because now of the outside factor of that Netflix documentary, which continues to pull in a new audience, and also then the exciting start we've had to the season that has drawn in those fans that perhaps don't watch a full race but love the action and excitement. It makes sense almost from a brand perspective as well for Red Bull to go all in and then secure a Constructors and Drivers Championship this year. It doesn't really surprise me that they've got three vans turning up this weekend just gone with new upgrades to make sure they have that dominance and assertiveness in the uh, Drivers and Constructors titles. Uh, the only thing that is slightly surprising is there's never a bad time to win a championship. But for next year, they're bringing in, or Formula One's bringing in aerodynamic testing restrictions and wind tunnel restrictions. If you win the championship this year, you have less wind tunnel time and CFD time than the team that finishes second. So if Mercedes were to not win a championship, this would have been the year that they probably would have said, you know what? We'll take it this year, but we'll come back at you next year with the extra wind tunnel time. Thank you very much. What I would say, though, and, and the little caveat is, I remember Sebastian Vettel's team radio when he won. I think it was um, the last race of the 2013 season. He just won however many races in a row. I think it was nine. I think he equaled Ascari's record. Um, and he said on team radio to Red Bull, remember these moments. Uh, they don't last forever. All words to that effect. And you do not know how these regulations are going to affect the F1 field next season. I think if you're in the, if you've got a chance to win the title, you've just got to go and win it this season. Because even if you do switch to development for next season early on, you still don't know how your car is going to turn out with such radical changes compared to your competitors. So, you know, Red Bull and Mercedes could have switched to development for next year in January. There's no there's no guarantee that they would have been the top two teams next season. As I've said before, Hassan Williams to be at the front next year. Hassan Williams, <laughs> that's where we're at. <laughs> I mean, you and got off the fence, you are jumping straight over a couple more fences down the hedgerows, I think, there with the predictions like that. But we do not know about 2022, Sam. <laughs> what, about the, uh, what about the two behind the front two? The... Uh, the second drivers, if we will, and I hate to call them second drivers. I know Sergio Perez does not like that term, but Perez and Bottas battling out for that third podium spot. And Valtteri Bottas, thanks to some Red Bull mistakes in the pit lane once again, just about able to hold on to his advantage. The the switch to a two-stop strategy for Perez and getting on those fresher tyres with about 20 laps to go and reeling in Bottas gave us at least a bit more of a dramatic finish than we perhaps were expecting at one point in this Grand Prix. But important for Bottas to be back on the podium for Mercedes. Oh, as we're talking about number two, so I'll hand this to Ewan. Oh, 
Has anyone got any ice? No, uh, no, we, we're good. Um, yeah, Bottas, like we said, actually had a decent weekend on track. He had a lot of pace, but that mistake on Friday hurt him so badly with his, uh, with his uh, three-place grid penalty. Um, obviously qualified ahead of Hamilton uh, to go second in qualifying, less than two tenths behind Verstappen. Um, and, and really his race was compromised by being behind Norris from that penalty. Um, hurt his first stint, lost all the time. Pace actually wasn't too bad once they cleared Norris. And obviously Perez's, mist- uh, Perez's pit stop uh, problem put the Red Bull behind Bottas. And to be fair to Bottas, Perez never had a chance of getting back through. Um, obviously made sure he had enough tyres to eke out the final stint and made sure that um, he kept the Red Bull behind. Same with Perez actually. Pace wasn't too bad. Red Bull obviously made the decision pretty early on in the weekend to uh, split the strategies. I think they used an extra set of mediums in practice, which meant that he started the race on softs after qualifying on them in Q2. But that really, for me anyway, shows how valuable Perez has been to Red Bull this season. The fact that they can put him up top on the grid, okay, maybe would have wanted him to qualify a little bit better on Saturday, but they've got the confidence to split the strategies and make Mercedes think now. There's a bit of a pincer movement coming in from both Red Bulls, and, you know, we've said before this season, the second drivers might decide the title, and, you know, Perez giving Red Bull the chance to do that has really changed the the strategic battle over the last few races since the Spanish Grand Prix, where, of course, Mercedes got the better of them. For me, it was an important race for Valtteri to actually do well and to to get on the podium because in the Williams was George Russell in the points and then just, I think, everyone's heart broke at the same moment. When he came into the pitch, you saw him sitting there for absolutely ages while they played with his power unit to try and get it working again. He went out again, came back in the lap later. I think it was three stops he made in the end in the course of four laps and you just sort of wheel him into the garage and like I say it was heartbreaking because it, it was his opportunity to score points for Williams to finally break that run yes he scored points when in the Mercedes but I don't think even George really counts those I think he goes I was expected to get points there and I didn't even get as many as was expected because of circumstance but with Williams he's just not had the luck um, I mean, I don't think he's been at his best at some races this year, but this weekend he was definitely at his best, and he kind of, even though Bottas was on the podium, I think Russell's performance put Bottas into the shade a little bit. Um, I don't know what Bottas can do to win this situation, really, because we're all, I think we're all assuming now that Bottas is out and Russell's in for next year, so as far as we're concerned, it's pretty much a done deal. As far as Toto's saying, at least, it's far from a done deal. Well, I mentioned last week, didn't I, that you know I've I've been maybe more critical of George than other people have, and that the his race in France to finish P twelve, you know, was perhaps a turning point and maybe what Toto was looking for. Well, times that by ten this weekend because he was outstanding again. Um, unfortunately, it almost feels like there's a bit of a force field on the top ten for him because whenever he gets anywhere near, something happens, whether it's a safety car crash at Imola last year, whether it's the crash with Bottas, which was unlucky with the wet line uh, in Imola this year. Um, you know, everything... There's always something that seems to happen. Uh, even when he was with Mercedes, he had the chance to win, he had the puncture, he had the tyre mix-up. Um, 
So a bit of bad luck, which is a bit of a worry because it seems to never go away. But his performance was absolutely superb. He had pace everywhere. And before the reliability issue came about this weekend, he was catching and about to pass Fernando Alonso in an Alpine for seventh position. That says all you need to know about how good he is. He's definitely getting the best out of the car this weekend, just in the longer term future aspects of this Bottas-Russell switch, perhaps. If Mercedes are not developing the car and end up being far too far adrift of Red Bull in a few races' time, do you think that speeds up the move to perhaps move Bottas on this season and, and either bring in Russell towards the end of the season? Because when you want your number two driver to be with you, you can't be making announcements that you know he's going to be shipped off for next year, he's not got a long-term future anymore. If Mercedes fall too far back, though, does that then change how they, they deal with Bottas? No, I think it's just. I, I think it will keep everything the same. Um, if anything, I think it keeps Bottas in that seat for longer because uh, if they're not developing the car, if it's exactly the same car turning up for five, six, seven races or more, um, then Bottas knows that car inside out. And you'd rather have someone who knows the car than taking a gamble and going, well, we, we're going to see what you can do. What I would think would speed it up is if Mercedes lose the Constructors' Championship or if Red Bull win it with more than one race to go. I think if there's three or four races to go at the end of the year and Red Bull are champions, then you might see them go, you know what, we'll put George in now and get him into the team. I can see Ewan shaking his head. Um, But, I mean, that's absolutely the only way I could see them doing it. I'm not saying I could see them doing it, but it's the only way that they would. It's just not happening. Mercedes build themselves on integrity and and loyalty. Um, And to be fair to Valtteri, he's done absolutely everything they've needed of him over the years. Um, And he's still too good, I think, to just ship on like that. Um, Like I said, he proved it on Saturday. He's still got the pace. You know, we, we all say how brilliant Lewis Hamilton is, one of, if not the best qualifier in F1 history. Valtteri's always pretty much been equal to him in that car. Um, and, and he beat him on Saturday. So he's, he's too good to just ship on like that, in, in my personal opinion. And like I said, Mercedes build themselves on loyalty. Um, and I believe they'll stay like that. Toto's already said they're not going to change the season anyway. So, uh, like I said, pretty much take Toto on his word. I still tr- struggle to see where Valtteri is going to end up next year, though. Um, because it looks, to all intents and purposes, like the only option open to him is a return to Williams. Um, given the regulation changes and as we said we don't know what what the order will be next year that might be somewhat more tempting than it would have been if the move was made for this season when you could tell going into it Williams would be at the back Mercedes at the front Um, so I I can see that being his only option to stay in F1 Um, and as Ewan said we say week in week out almost now that he's, he's not performing he's not up to scratch but he's still a very, very good driver um, who'd put any of us to shame quite comfortably. Um, not difficult, I mean. No, it's not difficult, <laughs> but he, he he is one of the best drivers in the world and we're talking about him as if he's if he's a mug, um, yeah. which... I mean, he, Friday's he, spin wouldn't be used against you at all. It would be inappropriate to, but also, you know, <laughs> well, putting well, it yes. 270 um, in the pit lane isn't a great way to show off your driving skill. Yes, that that was um, a blip that I, I suspect will end up not on his highlights reel. Um, but no, it, 
he he's a very good driver. He deserves a place on the grid. No one's denying that. But I struggle to find, other than the second seat at Williams, where that would be. Um, he's missed his shot at Ferrari. He's missed his shot with someone like McLaren or... I think Vettel's comfortable at Aston Martin, so you're not going to get a seat there. Um, it's just Williams, really, isn't it? There's no other option. Well, let's do some uh, quick fallout from elsewhere on the grid. As we've mentioned George Russell and the incredible race that he's had, there was some positive racing going on once again for the uh, the colours you're sporting today, Sam, and the Ferrari drivers. As uh, Sainz and Leclerc both had pretty good weekends and very good weekends to bounce back after the disaster that was the French Grand Prix and Charles Leclerc has that problem on lap one has to go in for damage goes on the hard tyres it's a really good long stint and he's able to drive almost flawlessly to pull himself right back into uh, into contention this weekend an incredible third stint I guess for the uh, for the Monaconese jeez Monogasque uh, <laughs> Monogasque there we go <laughs> not with it today at all the Monogasque driver it's exactly what Ferrari needed this weekend though no, that, it was exactly what Ferrari needed. I mean, Carlos finishing sixth, Charles seventh. We say it was a brilliant drive from Charles and he, and he had an issue on lap one. His issue was he ran into several drivers, um, which you look at it from that point of view, not great. But then after that, from then on, from lap one onwards, it was a great drive from him. He said it was one of his best, um, made up all the positions, unlike Daniel Ricciardo was able to do. Um, and he finished right on the tail of his teammate. So Ferrari closing the gap in the constructors to McLaren. It, it's going to be interesting. That that third, fourth battle in the constructors, I'm genuinely enjoying this year because you can't tell which way it's going to land. No, and, and it's funny how the luck swings as well. You, you see Leclerc plummet down to the back after running into Gazi, as he said. And to be honest, I thought he was lucky not to get a penalty because that put Gazi out of the race while Leclerc just sauntered on. Um, and whilst that happens and he gets himself back into the race, Daniel Ricciardo, who's had a miserable time again in qualifying, has an absolutely blistering first few laps, gets up into the top 10, everything's rosy and dandy again, and then he has a power issue, and all of the places that he made up go flying back past him up the, up the hill, and you just think, wow, that's unlucky. All of a sudden you see Ferrari starting to rise through the order, Sainz as well, you know, cutting his way through the top 10 to get to where they did, and all of a sudden, you forget France and Ferrari are absolutely back to where they were. And you think, oh, what a battle again. Um, so, at least from a Ferrari point of view, you look at that and you think, right, the front tyres aren't a problem everywhere. So, in those conditions, you know, it might just be the hotter conditions that their window was too narrow. Um, the question being is, again, like we were saying with Mercedes looking at the tracks that might harm them, how many of the tracks coming up like your Silverstone, like your Spars, are going to hurt the front tyres like they did at Paul Ricard. That's where McLaren will come back fighting because that car looks pretty good on all the tracks. And Lando Norris is the most consistent driver, arguably, on the grid at the moment. I mean, we've spoken about Lando a lot already on this podcast this year. But for me, it feels like it's almost you're, you're expecting it now. And when you expect these sorts of drives, you almost start to underestimate the job he is actually doing with that McLaren car and the extra pace he's able to get out of it, highlighted by the fact that Danny Ricciardo is up and down and all over the place, various either faults of him or with the car as well. But Lando's just no drama this year, pretty much. It's a joy to watch. But yeah, we need to stop this from kind of going under the radar a little bit and kind of, yeah really love what Lando's doing and I've got a real soft spot for him. I'm sorry, I can't be impartial on this one. 
Yeah, we can we can tell by your hat that you're wearing your your nice fluorescent yellow uh, Lando <laughs> Norris hat there. Um, but no, it's um, Lando. His the job he's doing for McLaren is absolutely incredible. You you're correct to say um, from day one. To be honest, he's been impressive in Formula One, just growing in maturity, growing in ability and pace, and. Um, we say all too often that a driver is a future world champion. Um, there's only so many world champions you can have. Um, there's only so many cars that are ever capable of it. But if he was in a Mercedes this year, if he was in a Red Bull, he could be giving Verstappen and Hamilton every bit of fight that they're giving each other. Um, and yeah, he is genuinely one of the most exciting talents Um I think at the moment he is probably better than George Russell, although I really want to see the two of them fighting next year. Um, from a purely British standpoint, that's what we all want to see. <laughs> Ima- imagine Russell, Norris and Hamilton either all on the podium or all going for it against each other for race wins. I mean, You'll be getting the bunting out, crying out uh, loud if that happens. Imagine that at the British Grand Prix. That is the podium <laughs> at Silverstone next year. Um, I'm not going to call it because we all know Hass are going to get a podium. But um, no. Um, <laughs> no it, no, It's a weird hill to die on this, I, t- I say, Sam. It's a weird hill to die on, but I'm enjoying it. You know, um, yeah. Gunther will thank me for it. It's fine. Um, but no. Um, Land, uh, you're right, Lando is one of the most exciting talents and I, I don't think any of us are going to shut up talking about him because he's just I mean, those good. first few laps, he's keeping pace with Perez and Bottas. That was the surprising... I mean, he is a thorn in those second driver's sides at the moment. He's still yeah. ahead of Bottas in the championship. He doesn't know how, but he's still ahead of Valtteri. Yeah, but it's because he, has, he, he hasn't finished outside the points this season. He's the only driver not to do that. But, but what's impressive about him for me is that he's almost the complete all-round driver already. You, know, you still think of how young he is. Yeah, he's got qualifying pace. He's got race pace. He's great at overtaking and being aggressive. He's also great at conserving the tyres. We talk about certain drivers and how good they are in certain facets of the sport. Lando seems to be brilliant all the way through. He said himself already that this season, you know, now that he sort of made the step up in the team with Carlos going, he's been there for two years. He really knuckled down in the factory over the winter. So it's it's not a fluke. You know, he's worked really, really hard to get to where he is. And, uh, and he's just been incredible. I mean, arguably the best driver of the season so far. Arguably with the machinery he's got. Because... I, th- I don't think it would be unfair to say that he might be outperforming that McLaren a little bit. Uh, maybe not by much, but a little bit when you see where Daniel is. Now, obviously, Daniel struggled to uh, adapt to the car, but I'm not sure he's as far off being perfect with some of his performance is, um, as he's made to look like he is because of how good Lando's doing. Just finally, a quick one then before we get into what's going to happen this coming Sunday. I, I will bring the Haas team into it with their own little section here because Nikita Mazafid has made some comments about how he's getting rather frustrated uh, at the team. He f- I think it was something about he is the carrot on the stick for his teammate to try and catch during races, he feels, which doesn't exactly uh, scream team unity when your driver's saying uh, those sorts of comments after a race weekend. Mazepin has frustrated a lot of people and now he's getting frustrated with himself. Does he have a I like to stand on with these sorts of comments when Mick Schumacher is obviously is really impressed with what he's been able to do at times with that Haas. Oh, yeah, what he said was that in his, in those quotes where he said, like, you're right, he's a carrot to be caught. Um, 
he said that his car is heavier than the other car in the team, which the cars are identical, one would assume. They're supposed to be identical. Um, so there's some pretty strong accusations, if you want to put it that way, that he's making towards the team. Um, he didn't seem happy at all after the race, uh, which who can blame him if he's if he genuinely has these feelings then it's right anyone would be annoyed um anyone would be frustrated and hopefully between this race and the next sort of next weekend the team can sit down and say look your cars are identical there there's nothing it's it's purely driving talent and the setups that that's the only difference um i would be amazed if there's anything different there at all um it it just wouldn't sit right if you remember back in the days of drivers, you know, not drinking during the race or slimming down to dangerous weight levels because of their weights and how that affects a car, there's really only one way that there could be difference in terms of weight in Nikita and Mick's car, and that would be the ballast placement. And obviously the ballast that you have depends on the weight of your driver. So that's the only thing that can change. Um, what I would say is, and to give benefit of the doubt is, you know, these guys like Mick, like Nikita, spend their junior careers usually at the top end of the grid. So in F2 and F3 and karting, they're usually mm-hmm. fighting for wins. Um, you know, this year will be the first time that Nikita and Mick, to be fair, have been used to being lapped. And, you know, Nikita ended up 30 seconds behind Mick in the race purely because of blue flags because by the time you get out of the way lift off get your tires dirty get your tires cleaned back up from going offline you just lose 30 seconds naturally without being much worse than your teammate um it must be so frustrating going from battling for wins to lagging around at the back constantly and i am sure that that will start playing on your mind especially when and you know whether it's his own fault or not he has a lot of flack from outside as well, Nikita. Um, I'm sure the Baku battle with uh, with Mick didn't help that either, um, because obviously we know that Mick's got loads of fans who would jump straight on that. Um, but on the on the bright side for for Haas, the battles that they have had between each other have been really good and very clean, and actually showing how much skill both drivers have got. So, you know. We know Gunter's pretty good with his drivers. Uh, we've seen with the Instagram video that they put out, you know, there's clearly good enough relations there. They're having a laugh with the spinning top present that they gave him for the Mazda spin. Um, I'm pretty sure that Nikita will be fine. I'm pretty sure the Haas relationships will be fine. I'm sure Gunter will put his arm around and go, right, what's your problem? Let's sort it out. Let's come out next week and let's go fighting. Because actually, looking at the pace that the two had on the harder tyre this weekend they weren't that far off the midfield in terms of pure one lap pace it was just the blue flags that stitched them up from the pace on the softer compound tyres yeah, it'd be interesting one to see though how that develops at least and uh, if Mazepin can just come back down to earth a bit relax and get ready for next weekend which of course is on the same track in Austria the Styrian Grand Prix becomes the Austrian Grand Prix and seeing as Ewan has managed to remove all fences from his world I'm going to give him the opportunity to tell me exactly what's going to happen next weekend uh, well it depends what the weather forecast says because if the weather forecast says it's sunny we might get a bit of rain you never know after last weekend <laughs> um no, really, unless it rains, I think it's going to be another Verstappen win. I can't really see how 
anything can stop that from happening. We saw that Red Bull had better tyre degradation than Mercedes last weekend. Uh, Pirelli are bringing a step softer uh, this weekend. So softer compounds, which will only add to the thermal degradation of the tyre. And that surely will play into Red Bull's hands even more. So can only see a Red Bull win, can only see a Verstappen win. Uh, the only thing that might change is whether Perez can get some pace and uh, get ahead of the two marks. Yep, no, copy and paste from this weekend. <laughs> um, I mean, we've got one step softer on the tyres, so I mean, any team that struggles with tyre degradation, hello Mercedes, um, is going to have a bit more of a difficult time. Um, it's almost certain to be a two-stop, uh, some of the teams were saying after the race this weekend. So, yeah... Um, if it's a two-stop, there's a bit of strategy in there, which we saw in France makes it all a bit more interesting. But yeah, pretty much copy and paste from this weekend, as Ewan said, Verstappen probably going to win again and extend his lead. We'll bring on the weather for the Austrian Grand Prix this coming weekend. And uh, I'm sure all eyes will actually be on the practice sessions as well with the new Pirelli rear tyres that have been brought in after Baku as well. It's an important weekend for Pirelli and those may come into effect later on in the year. I think it was Hungary they said that might be the case if the tests go well this weekend. Remember, you can stay up to date with everything to do with Formula One here at GP Fans and of course the Stewards Room podcast by subscribing on Anchor.fm, our host and all good podcasting outlets. Like, rate, review the podcast and stay up to date with everything going on in Formula One. Also, get on the website where you can listen, well, listen, you can read as Sam and Ewan wax lyrical about all of the F1 news on there. At GP Fans Global on Twitter and Instagram is where you can catch the breaking news from around the world of Formula One and of course get onto the YouTube channel as well gp fans global until a week's time gentlemen sit back and get ready for another red bull victory then take care